0: The Monday Rewind Goal shots are no shade. brilliant finish This Cotter-Tamperger Final is done We all had games like that The problem we had today was we too many uh, with under-power games and against the team of the
1: calibre, Mayo, We've Got to struggle big time. Carry over free. Goose takes it quickly. It's a technical wall just outside the square. He shot his block. Comes through. A carry man on the edge of yeah. the square, and he buries
2: it. Yeah, no, I didn't have any question marks over them to be honest. Anyway, Oshin, I see what they give. I see the way they train night in, night out. How dedicated they are, so there, that question mark wasn't there. Maybe it hadn't been coming out in our performances enough in the last the last couple of weeks. But um, you know, I think they answered. Anyone who had a question mark over their head was certainly answered tonight.
3: Players
4: should be deciding matches, not referees. But that was is, is a match totally decided by the referee. I don't know. And, and funny, I'd spoken to the players during the week. Connor Lane, I said, reckon the referee comes with no agenda. By God it came with so much at the end of the day
5: I don't think we were flat today I think we were flat in the first half I thought our second half display was very very good So it was I thought we showed great energy in the second half But a lot of that's down to morning as well You know Monin played very well in the first half And after we went 3-1 up they dominated
0: Doyle still
6: Left foot in a cross goal Kevin Doyle
1: To Rewind on News talking in there you heard from Kieran Donaghy on Kerry's Munster title success. Now a crew of Sligo on a record defeat to Mayo in the Connacht final. And now ex-Derry manager Brian McIver on his frustration with the referee during and after their loss to Galway. Also, commentary of Kevin Doyle's second goal for Colorado Rapids in the MLS. Could he play his way back into Martin O'Neill's plans for the remaining Euro 2016 qualifiers? Who knows, but we do need a bit more cut and thrust up front. Still to come we have more on the weekend's GAA including analysis of the Munster replay and the Connacht final. As well as all that we look at the Ulster final Monahan overcoming Donegal. We look ahead to next weekend's action including Cork against Kildare and the qualifiers also playing next Saturday at 5 o'clock. It's Westmeath against Fermanagh in Brefney Park. That game will be live on off the ball. Uh, the following day we've got the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals. Galway taking on Cork and Waterford playing Dublin. Those games going on in Thurles. the Waterford-Dublin match live on off the ball. Now by the time you're listening to this Hopefully Ireland has another major winner in the shape of Paul Dunn or a player who's added another major in the shape of Padraig Harrington. Joe Malloy was at St Andrews and we'll have a lot more on Off the Ball. Also, you can catch his work on Newstalk.com forward slash sport. Let's start with Gaelic Games and Donegal's defeat to Monaghan in the Ulster final. They play Galway in the qualifiers in two weeks. Here's the Off the Ball panel of Aaron Kernan and Anthony Moyles. But first, Monaghan manager Malik O'Rourke and Donegal boss Rory Gallagher who has been speaking to Osheen Kelly of Highland Radio. Ah, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was tough in the
6: heart there at the end, but uh, I think our hunger for it probably showed too. You know we won this two years ago and, and in fairness I didn't feel the players got the credit for that performance, a lot of it at that stage was about Donegal and Donegal were tired, Donegal all had injuries one thing or another. Hey uh, we did we did, won a fair and fair last year, we took on the gin. We were just determined to come back this year and give it our best shot, delayed for the boys to put in massive effort the lady got the rewards again today what was the key to today's victory well I think you know playing against Donegal you have to have a lot of patience you have to set up well Uh, it can be a sort of a cat and mouse game at times but you have to stick with it as well as that I think the hunger the boys turned the ball over and just refused to give in you know I know it's going to be a tough battle, but I think our hunger maybe in the end up
4: over the line. Rory, you have a good day at the offices and bad days at the offices. Uh, it's not a good one today for Donegal. what's the feeling, I most in the aftermath of that in there in the dressing room at the moment? I think it's just
5: just disappointment, Ashin. you know. Obviously we came here with uh high expectations and hoping to put in a performance good enough to win, but we weren't and fair play to Monaghan. and they were deserving winners in the end.
4: Yeah, you have to be clinical in front
5: of the post and, and Donegal weren't clinical enough today to get a result here, Rory. Well that's you know, along with being a wee bit flat in the first half, that's probably what did disappoint us most, you know, I thought in the second half that we had an awful lot of possession and thought we played a lot of good football but we missed, missed crucial chances.
4: Why do you think Donegal
5: was flat today? What was missing
4: there? Do you think Rory?
5: I think I don't think we were flat today. I think we were flat in the first half, I thought yeah. our second half display was very, very good. So it was thought we showed great energy in the second half. But a lot of down to Monin as well. You know, Monin played very well in the first half, and after we went three-one up, they dominated.
4: Yeah. And that latter ten minutes of the game when Donegal took a real it and uh, Patrick just missed that point at the end. And uh, I suppose just missing out is, is a horrible way for a game to come to an end for that like That's
5: or? exceptionally disappointing. So it is. You know, it's a big occasion and something that we very much cherished and wanted to win so it is and you know to maybe get another day out and probably the way we played in the second half I felt felt that would have been merited you know and disappointing but that look you know it's not just that one way there was a lot of ways you know Yeah, Was everybody fitting well
4: in there today Roby because it was obviously Patrick had a knock from earlier on in, in a championship game and there was talk about uh, Michael having some sort of strain and an injury walk uh, past I had not bothered to
5: be yeah. from idle speculation the likes yeah. of you guys get up to um, Patrick was f- fully fine as you could see there and Michael seemed to be moving fine so he did
4: Yeah, and Carl was, was taken off with an injury bang in
5: his knee as right. you can see
4: yeah under the qualifiers now you're still in the championship I suppose there, there's some plus and defeat that you're still in the championship and God's gonna going be up next will it be hard and then you get the guys refocused next couple of training sessions
5: listen it's not the way we wanted to wake up tomorrow morning so it's not but that's life you know um this group of players and uh, uh, this group you know as a whole uh, you know have had ups and downs and this is a uh, you know, a, a day that obviously we didn't want to, want to have to deal with, but we have to deal with it now, and we will deal with it, and we'll be back tomorrow, tomorrow or Tuesday, you know, whatever the lads decide, and we'll, we'll get back at it. Just where, can, can you pinpoint what was really missing there today? I think in the second half, we missed uh, missed a couple number of easy chances. I like think in the first half, we, we just couldn't match Monin's intensity. In the second half, we did, but it wasn't enough to get over the line. It
3: was a really, really enthralling game of football. I know 11 points to 10, you, you think it was a, a poor spectacle, but the intensity all across the field the pace and the power that was used um, it was first class and the pitch has now been swarmed by, by Monument mm. supporters from everywhere um, you see the Donegal boys uh, dejected down below me here but it, um, yeah, it, was a, it was a very very exciting finish to it and probably Donegal at least at least deserved to get a draw out of this here because of the effort that they put in the second half and, and again as Anthony said they'll be bitterly disappointed in their first half performance because they showed none of the drave and the, the hunger and desire that you would, just, that would become the norm to expect from this team
7: They won this title two years ago as well Monaghan and I think they admitted themselves they enjoyed it perhaps a little bit too much mm-hmm. and they couldn't kick on for the rest of the season Hanging on in that last couple of moments is that something that now can stand to Monahan as they head into the All-Ireland series as they head into an All-Ireland quarter-final that they now are a team who could potentially go all the way
3: Yeah, well, you would have to think that um, what signalled their intent for me was to play at Dublin here in a league game, uh, knowing that they were playing them the following weekend in a semi-final, and they were very poor, but the next day out in Croke Park, uh, they put in a brilliant performance, even after coming away from it, did a training camp abroad at that stage, and... I just thought that i seen something different in them um, that they, they were probably more confident within themselves than what they were particularly whenever they played Dublin in the Championship last year it, it just didn't strike me that they really genuinely believed they were going to win and uh, for them do I think that they can go on and win the All-Ireland I don't uh, but I thought that Donegal were capable of, it, and they've just beaten them now mm. but um, I definitely would see that they have to progress past the quarterfinal they need to get to a semi-final they need to give themselves the chance of making an All-Ireland Final, because there's very little years left in the majority of these boys here, um, within their squad, and now I think is the time that they need to seize the opportunity to have a great blend of of young boys coming through, and the older experience heads, you've seen Dick Clerken coming on, and just winning that vital free, slowed the game down for a minute, Owen Lennon got 65 minutes out of him today, Vinnie Corrie the same thing, Um, they're, this is their year where, where they need to, to train, capitalize and, and make a bit more out of the season than an Ulster Championship um, like I, said, I don't see them be, being capable of going on and taking out you're going to need to beat probably the likes of Kerry or Dublin or, or Mayo, you're going to need to be two big teams um, to win an all in all-in here and I'm not sure that they have that but they'll not care one, one bit about that there they're Ulster champions again, they'll enjoy this and they can now sit back and, and look forward to getting back to Croke Park as champions
1: Aaron Donegal would be sick, you know, from 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 their second half performance.
8: And, and as you say, I didn't realise it was ten wise Of those ten wise they weren't they weren't all hitting hopes. Like you know, there were scores that I, I, you'd expect at least they could get five or six. And uh, ultimately, I think they probably could have won the game because I don't think Monaghan could have changed it around
1: that much because they were just getting get, they were getting cleaned at midfield. They were getting beaten everywhere. The energy levels had been picked up, and maybe uh, Donegal with the, with, with the run through that they had, although people said it was the tougher side, I think they were probably a little bit kind of, you know, used to kind of playing at a level and they weren't used to what what they
5: saw from Monaghan in that first half.
3: Yeah, they're definitely, they're, they're, the, the shots that they took, they were on, but worse still was the men that they would have wanted to be on the ball were there, it was McGrady, it was McFadden and just sort of snatched at them uh, and, and they didn't go over the big difference with them losing two years ago in comparison to now was they picked up a lot of injuries you could just see that it wasn't in their legs the way they finished this game today there's a hell of a lot more positives even in defeat for them to head on through the back door or, or, or the qualifiers whoever they mm. get whether it's next weekend or not but they definitely they did in their boots today they finished extremely strong they were the team that were pushing on with the intent to win it um, and it, it was it was a case of the, the, the opportunities that they had that they just didn't make the most of them um, but I, I think they still they still will have a big say in this year. I don't see them being the team that's going to lose in a six-day turnaround. I think, I think they're better than that. I think they'll know themselves that they're better than that. And while this will be a big disappointment for them, it's an all Ireland that I'd say they had their sights set on this year and they're still in that race.
7: You know, we saw Carl Lacey and Christy Toy and Colin McFadden all been taken off, three of the veterans of, of this Donegal side. Is that the concern that these guys
6: have so much football Not just this season, but over the last five, six seasons, that they've
7: played so much football that even mentally it's going to be so difficult for them to get back up from this.
3: Yeah, well, Carol Lacey, now that definitely looked like it was an injury. He was limping before half time and he limped as he was going off. The other two, Christy Toye and Colin McFadden, seemed to be just more tactical switches, but in fairness. I got it wrong as well, I, I, was, I said at half-time I didn't see where Donegal could turn this around or how they could change the game. Um, but Derek O'Connor came on up front, he was very lively, he was always an option on the inside. The McHugh's pushed up and played as forwards and played a more attacking role. And maybe that's something that they can look at, that they can progress themselves for. That, uh, that's their way forward from here on. And the train use them, the young, fresh legs that they have, the train... Um, get a bit more pace into the game frank mcglynn sorry again i, I probably haven't mentioned him but he had a massive second mm-hmm. half always an option just never stopped Tray and even paddy mcgrath come up from corner back uh, and they continuously just bombed up the field and maybe monaghan switched off and dropped off and and invited them on to them um, and and by doing that they made life extremely hard on. on themselves but um it, have it have been been was been a, it definitely it's one of those finals that
1: donegal three, two, three, seven, They've sort of left it behind them here. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Aaron Kernan and Anthony Moyles with Nathan Murphy on Monaghan's win over Donegal in the Ulster final. The Farney play in the All-Ireland quarter-finals on August 8th while Donegal take on Galway on Saturday week. That's in the qualifiers. Still to come, MMA with Marco Toole and the transfer market with uh, Rap Diallo of Team 33. First though, it's more Gaelic football and Mayo's fifth Connacht title in a row. We heard from Sligo boss Niall Carew earlier on how they just didn't perform. So now let's hear from Mayo co manager Noel Canelli, talking to off the balls matchday commentator Dave McIntyre on how they are evolving and the changes that they've made to their setup on the pitch, including, of course, the move of Aidan O'Shea to full forward. He scored 3 4 yesterday. Noel, aside
0: from the winning of the game and another kind of championship for Mayo, what, what more would you have got out of that today? Um, well, I suppose. Performance was good. Uh, I thought everybody played well. Uh, the pressure of the tackling was very good. One thing that I would be wouldn't be happy about is the amount of goals that we conceded and and the goal chances that we given away. So um, you know we need to work on that over the next couple of weeks. Was there anything that you didn't expect that took place there today? I and mean, did you did you know your team would be as ruthless as that if they actually got themselves up front because they just kept going right to the end? Well. You know, you always ask the guys to perform and and, and have uh, a high intensity and tackle well high up, and uh, they did that well today. And I think we closed off the cycle. Kickouts good too, and in, in, uh, uh, so you know we never gave them a platform really to play. And I think we exposed exposed maybe the chances that we created inside the full forward line. We took them early in the game, and that was the difference. The, the good start that we got just was there all, all afternoon. Obviously, the Mayo went four under James, and they didn't quite get over the line in terms of the All-Ireland situation. So we needed maybe to see something new under new management. Did we see a little bit of that today with the role that Donald Vaughan played, that Aidan O'Shea played so far up the field at full-forward? And is, is that something that you'd like to can, persist with? Well, you are always... I mean, Aidan obviously did very well for us at number 14. Um, you know, uh, Jim O'Connor is probably just into the team rightly this year. He's he's doing very very well for us. Probably the so the new guys that come off the bench are adding a lot to our, our camp. Also, and Paddy Durkin and, and Mark Wallace. so, look, at you, you don't have to try and reinvent the wheel. It's just trying to maybe get a, a right balance uh, in the right positions. But look at. It's it's a common title. It's you know it's game two as we'd say, and, and you know we're just all we can do now is focus on, on, on two weeks time.
1: This is the rewind on news talk, and that was Mayo co-manager or joint manager, whichever you're having yourself, Noel Canelli, speaking to Dave about their win over Sligo and the upcoming quarter final on Saturday. There were two managerial casualties as Brian McIver of Derry and Peter Creedon of Tipperary stepped down following defeats to Galway and Tyrone respectively all that occurred before the ball was thrown in in the Munster final replay in Killarney the Kingdom coming out on top on a rainy night one eleven to one the final score Liam McHale and Mike Cork were on analysis for off the ball and we'll get their thoughts on Kerry as well as Cork ahead of their qualifier with Kildare next weekend in a moment first though here is Rebels boss Brian Cuthbert followed by Kingdom captain Kieran Donaghy look
6: I suppose the turning point was the goal Kerry got you know no it no was about it that's what kind of changed the game and swung so the game from the way the game was going. We At half time we, we felt we were in a very, very comfortable position. We had the win with us in the second half. First 15 minutes in the second half, we didn't take our chances. We had three or four chances, we didn't take them. If we had got those, the goal wouldn't have been as big a score as it was. But when we didn't take them, when the game was going on longer and longer, whoever was going to get a goal was going to be in the dominant position and it happened to be Kerry.
1: Is that the really frustrating thing? Because it was just that quick thinking by Gooch that led to their goal and that mistake, you could say kind of made the house of cards fall yeah, that's exactly what happened um, that's it in a nutshell uh,
6: one piece of very very good play and they got in for a goal uh, it was a bit of fortunate as well in terms of a the, of the save and the rebound came up to Paul Guinea. but uh, at the same time look you have to admire a good play by Kerry at that time but at the same time I would have felt up to that point we were actually controlling the game
1: was it disappointing that you didn't really create opportunities after that I know you put Allen in full forward he looked a bit fatigued at midfield you know was that a gamble that just didn't work or was it just a case that Kerry just got on top yeah, look, they got on top their momentum um,
6: any time we made a mistake they capitalised on it uh, you know we have been here for 140 minutes over 140 minutes I, I would have felt that we represent ourselves quite well um, and it came down to that goal and that's, that's basically what happened and I, I would like to say It came, you know, that I would like to look at just the game in terms of the last 15 minutes. I looked at it over the two games and I would have felt, you know, we would move ourselves forward usually. But at the same time, very disappointed we didn't take the game. Kildare next week,
1: that tighter turnaround, is that good or is that bad?
6: (sighs) I'll tell you after Kildare again, but uh, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, Very disappointed. The players are very disappointed after this. We felt we had it and uh, just let it slip out of our grasp. And uh, within six days, we're now going again. So going to be very difficult but look this is the challenge. it's the ultimate challenge for us now and we're going to have to come around it.
1: And a loss like this in these kind of conditions, heavy, heavy weather, does that take
6: that bit more out of the lads mentally and physically? Yeah I'd say mentally more than physically. I think these lads are able for anything but mentally it's a big challenge now to come away out of this and uh, face a very, very good team and, uh, and,
1: and try and beat them. No real recent history with Kildare. Is that good or bad? You wouldn't know much about them because you wouldn't have played them the last oh, couple of seasons.
6: Yes. They were in Division One last year. Uh, we played them very early on Division One, but since then we haven't played them at all. But look, we're going to have to go in now and get our work, our in and order, and get our work sorted And um,
1: that's the nature of where we are right now. And the referee looks at the linesman. He says line ball to Kerry. Paul Galvin has the last touch of the Munster final replay as the ref blows the full-time whistle and Kerry are Munster champions. in your Munster champions for the 77th time. It was a hard Fault. It was a hard-fought, close-run thing, and it even got you the high five from Mikey Sheehy, so you know it's good.
8: Yeah, no, look, we know the battle that Cork were going to bring there were sending two weeks ago. Um, we we got we got fortunate enough to get out, get our get our tails out of out of Killarney two weeks ago. And that game stood just massively, and you know the work by the squad, and, and you know there's only 15 start and, and, and six come on, but the 32 fellas that that put their shoulder to the wheel for the last two weeks in training to to get us ready for this occasion. Um, my hats are after them. They're putting huge effort, and and I think that paid off there for us today
1: tell me how difficult it was to play in that the conditions were wet they were windy they were wintry it wasn't Munster final weather was it?
8: No and it's rare it's, I, 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 I've been playing for Currie for 11-12 years and we've never played a Munster final in any kind of conditions in Killarney. Um so even though the forecast was poor for coming showing for the next few days I was always saying, No no no, I'm going to find in it's always sunny, so even though the golf was being called after half five I was still somehow hopeful that the that the weather would turn us. But look it was very hard. But hard hard grown with, 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 with a huge amount of rain all day in it just made it very slick and very was on the foot and it was just the battle it was, football was never going to win today it was just about who wanted it more and who was re- ready to fight it out for it more and probably who got the break and I think Danica Walsh's 80 yard run for the goal and Gooch's quick thinking and Paul's finish is probably the difference
1: What did you say at half time because you were better in the second half than you were in the first
8: We, we, we just we just felt that we, we didn't come out and address them at all after half time last day so we just put a, we put a focus on the first 10 minutes and see where that took us and Thankfully, that, that, that stood us well.
1: And you use the bench as you have to do. Is it hard when you come off, or is it easy to accept because... It's just such a tough day out there. Guys are gonna tire it that bit more. Oh no, no, no. There's
8: no there's no there's no egos in this team and whether you're taking off it for ten minutes or forty minutes or fifty minutes. We know there's six guys that are just as good if not better than you better than you on the bench. So you just gotta give it everything and when you have run your legs off and I did that for as long as I was out there and you know, I probably probably should have had a pop or two at the post early on in the first half, but you know I wasn't overly happy with my own performance, but you know that's something I can improve improve on and work on for the next uh, next two weeks, so that's what the next game will be.
1: It's a big honour, isn't it? though as captain to lift the Monster Cup
8: huge honour and um, you know a Monster medal is, is not easy to come by especially when you're playing against these cockfills most of the time and uh, we're just delighted to get another one in the pocket today and another victory
1: and you could say as important as the trophy is the time that you've got that extra bit of prep time for the quarter final yeah, no. against
8: either Westmead or for man Absolutely, and it's 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 it more so than that. It's even the, the long layoff that we don't have now. You know, we normally have that six or seven week layoff which is kills us when into quarter finals. But thankfully now, we've only two weeks to wait to the to the long weekend and uh, we'll train hard for the next two weeks and, and prepare uh, very diligently for that performance and hopefully we can get a win.
1: Does Kerry's attitude change going to Crow Park? It seems to be the case that throughout the years, you know, you've kind of timed your run for it. Um
8: look Crow Park we know suits us. Um, We like going play. It's the it's the mecca of football. It's where every GA player who. Who, who laces up the boots in in November, um in the muck and in the muck and gutter or July or yeah <laughs> or July for this case, but you know that's what we're at for the last six or seven months to, us, to try and get the crop back and we're just delighted to be back there again. Appreciate you, Tommy.
2: Tough one now for them. Kildare have had a poor year so far. They put up a big score in the last game, and I would say that uh, the Kildare boys will be looking at this today, saying this uh, Cork team are vulnerable. They they have to be tired both mentally and physically and they have to be very very disappointed so it's a real real tough one to, to get up for it now and to, to play against a Kildare team that are, are starting to find, find a little bit of form so you know you wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Kildare put it up to them and even beat them uh, next weekend
1: and I'm sure Jason Ryan was here watching and
9: picking things out of Cork. Yeah, and and, and like Liam said, they're they're Kildare's. La- you know, Jason Ryan was getting lambasted around the place because of you know Kildare were underperforming. But they're you know that last win they had was a huge confidence boost. So they're now looking at Cork, saying that, you know they kicked one six, they got seven scores in 70 minutes, which is a very poor return from the intercounty team, and and saying this, these guys are very beatable, you know. And and, and Cork, this is really going to ha- you know hurt Cork because Cork wanted to win this. I you know I think a little bit more than Kerry needed it anyway, and you know they, they failed in in that last 15 minutes to, to, to live up to the physical the qualifiers, exchanges.
2: The qualifiers are, uh, have told us over the years that this is a very tough ask now for Cork. You know, they've invested so much effort and energy in, in these two games and to come out come out, come out, out short and not play well in the second half in particular there against Curry, will, will I've taken a lot out of them emotionally. I would, I Can would they imagine.
1: take anything out of the first game? Because the big thing was that, you know, they didn't perform against big teams, they hadn't had a win against a team who were ranked along with them mm-hmm. or above them in quite some time, you could yeah. argue since the 2010 All-Ireland Final. Uh, did the first game do anything to help them as they go into the qualifiers or even the first half of today because it was really only when Kerry got that goal yeah. midway through the second half that they pulled away yeah. after that there wasn't too many scores.
9: Yeah, and, and you know the first game Cork put a better team by by a country mile. I mean, Fionn Fion Fitz who didn't even, you know he didn't get a run today he kicked the score from over in front of the stand that, that I still think he was trying to kick into into Danny, and he, he just you know he was he was playing a he was playing a nine iron out of the rough and he caught a flyer and it just kept going and went over the bar and only for that Kerry were gone and Cork were Monster Champions. But but I just think you know I think there was a bit of you know uh, uh, definitely a, you know there was a whole mentality around Kerry coming up to that game that Kerry were going to just win with a very very easy margin that Cork were no good. You know Tomas had wrote the article everybody was land based in Cork. And, and Kerry I think bought into that a little bit. You know, the supporters certainly bought it. And it's hard for players not to leave that seep into their head. And I don't think Kerry were, were really up for that first game as the way they were today. And Cork took advantage, but still as well as they played and as poorly as Kerry played, they couldn't get the result. So I think that I, I think that cork killed their game after today is a really fifty-fifty-one now, you know.
2: Yeah, very much so and uh, you'd, you'd have to feel sorry a little bit for Cork you know that, for the most part they played well but they just um, they just faltered again at the end but it was very much 50-50 till the Gooch came on Cullum C- Cooper came on and we said that he's capable of doing something really really clever he did that the goal went in and the game was over as a contest after that Yeah
1: what about Kerry as we say they have both time they've got now yeah. is it two weeks until the next game the August Bank holiday weekend and that will be against Fermanagh or Westmead and with the greatest respect to those two Kerry will be expected to win that and it will be in Crow Park as well which you, again you would expect to be another advantage mm-hmm. to Kerry what can you do in two weeks we have seen it in the past with Kerry under various managers changing things
9: around a bit from the monster championship yeah, there, there isn't going to be a huge amount done in two weeks I mean you're probably talking about maybe you know two two or three maybe you know this week is going to be spent next week should I say is going to be spent recovering you know maybe maybe Friday or Thursday whenever they're starting training and then Sunday you'll you'll get two or three good quality football sessions in to have a look at guys I I, I just think that donahue and and, and boosting now is going to be a big issue for Kerry because you know, it's the first time we've seen Gooch as, a, as an inside forward, you know, in, in the last two to three years. And, you know, obviously he did well inside there. He's clever and he's going to do all those things. It spares him the running of, of having to chase a half back up and down the field all day. But but you know Kieran's the Kerry captain. He's been going pretty well, or relatively well. You know, it's going to be a huge call for Kerry to see which way they go. And, and I think that's that's what Fitzmaurice is going to have to iron out over the next two weeks. Do they go small or do they go big? They're like
2: they're like Dublin, Mayo, or Cork, or, she, or you know Dublin, Mayo. Uh, you know, Cork to a certain degree. The, comp- the competition for places in the next few weeks will be massive. Mm-hmm. And as you said yourself, they should now easily, easily win the next round. And you know, they're re- they're in really good shape. They haven't been playing well uh, since they won the All Ireland, but yet they're monster champions again. Yeah. And they're going they're going into the into the All Ireland series now in, in in great shape. The competition for places, the A versus B's, as me all well knows, he's played and knows them, will be a- absolutely a fever pitch, and that will bring everybody along. they'll really Really uh, get up for it now, and you know, the, you know. Once you have that sort of competition, it, 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 it's very difficult to pick a first fifteen. But when you put that first fifteen out at this time of the year, they're going to be ready for for
1: you know the big challenges ahead. Going long into Donny, he was Plan B last year and in the past. It appeared to be Plan A today. Does it go back to being Plan B, or do you need to put it in as Plan C because everyone knows what to do now, even? Though, you know, we're talking about Cork being outplayed in the second half. In the first half, they were able to handle it. They looked comfortable.
9: Yeah, they did up, up until, you know, uh, you know they, they, they had one good passage where Paul Kerrigan got a goal and it brought the game back. As Kerry had been slipping away from him at that point. Kerrigan's goal brought it back into the mix again. I, I, I just think, you know... Fitzmaurice, after creating something, you know, very unique, I think, with Kerry in terms of, you know, every manager of every cohort always says, I, I, you know, I pick the players on farm and training, and the majority of the time they don't. They, they, they pick their guys whether Gooch is playing well or playing badly. He's going to start whether Maher is playing better. Whereas Fitzmaurice has created a culture now of, of complete equality and yep. and if you're playing well in training games like talking about these training games in, in in training now that we don't get to see because they're behind closed door are absolutely ferocious they're they're, they're 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 at a higher intensity than you know county championships or national league games because the quality is so high and every guy knows that if I'm playing well, I'm going to get a chance to play, whether that's to start or to come on. I mean, Tommy Welsh is on a professional contract that's for the last couple of years in Australia, yep. and he doesn't get any minutes tonight, you know. Yeah. And, and, and could have stayed, by the way. Absolutely. Um, the yeah, he came uh, back yeah, because no. he had no
2: offers. He had two offers, Absolutely. two firm ones. How yeah. many teams? How many managers would have dropped Fionn Fitzgerald after kicking the equalising point, virtually saving Curry two weeks ago? And you know, in most counties, they'd be, he'd be splattered all over the papers. Fitzgerald saves Curry. Yes and he did now it was a mag- absolutely magnificent point it might have been a bit lucky but it was a magnificent point he had mm-hmm. the courage to, to have a look up and have a go but like 13 days later he's sitting on the bench so that just goes to show you the, the, the competition that's there and the rivalry that, that's there healthy rivalry that, that's there between the players and, and um, he has created that culture that Hall talks about that uh, whoever is playing well Will, uh, will will play. But the thing about the Colin Cooper thing, I don't think he'll play inside. I think James O'Donnell will play inside, regardless if they go with Kieran or not. Because once he gets fitter and get to get him into Crow Park, he he start pulling the strings for Kerry again. I yeah, think.
9: I I, I I would I would agree with you. I wouldn't be leaving him off. I I just think last year you know showed the value of when when now the team isn't playing together. They they look very disjointed to me. They don't look. And I, like I said to you before the game, nine changes in the past two games against Cork gives you that disjointed feel and gives you that disjointed look where where we're not sure where exactly we should be kicking the ball from where yeah. we're not sure exactly when we should be kicking it so now guys are making runs and their timing is off they don't look as cohesive as they did against Donegal or against Mayo the second game above in Limerick so it, you know Fitzmaurice as well as, as, as having this kind of equality has to find a little balance whereby you're you're playing your fifteen or your sixteen, you know, depending on the one or two guys that might come in, you know, a little bit more in training. So they're getting into that rhythm, and they're getting into a groove of I know now Donnie's gonna make his run, I know this guy's gonna make his run, I know he's gonna kick it. And 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 that's not there yet with Kerry and you know it's a slow burner but you know, hopefully, hopefully there'll this be a, a longer
1: year there Kieran Donaghy, preceded by Cork manager Brian Cuthbert following Saturday's Munster final replay. Also in there, you heard from Liam McHale and Mike Quirk on what both teams need to work on ahead of their next matches. It's time for MMA now with our regular Mark O'Toole. Uh, Mark, you were in Glasgow at the weekend to watch three Irish fighters on the UFC card. Uh, firstly, let's talk about the man who doesn't like to talk, Joe Duffy from Donegal, who beat Conor McGregor earlier in his career I'm sure he's kind of sick of talking about that and people are sick of hearing it anyway he went off boxing for a while but he's back now and he had a good win
10: Yeah he, he has now He's uh, kind of, he came last August uh, following a professional boxing career in which uh, he went 7-0 and in. Um, he returned to MMA to Cage Warriors, which would be a big uh, European promotion last year, and swiftly picked up uh, two uh, rather impressive wins on on the trot before being signed uh, by the UFC um, just uh, last January. He had his first fight uh, in the UFC uh, and won that uh, in the first round, and he had his second fight. Uh, on the main card in Glasgow uh, this past Saturday and uh, again picked up another first-round victory. So um, he's looking extremely well, and I suppose uh, the manner in which he picks up uh, the victories and the way he's continuing to improve post his boxing career uh, and his um, reintroduction to mixed martial arts Uh, has got a lot of people noticing, uh, particularly Dana White, who's been singling him out for praise. So uh, they're certainly looking to build O'Duffy uh, in a similar fashion to how they built uh, Conor McGregor.
1: Now, you mentioned Conor McGregor. He did beat Conor McGregor earlier in his career. And I guess that's something people will look at and they'll keep harping back to. But they've gone in separate directions since and they're at different weights.
10: Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, it's it certainly a uh, that could happen down the line. And it's a bit of a running joke at this stage. Uh, nearly uh, Joe Duffy's nickname was the last man to beat Conor McGregor. Um, there, that was a lifetime ago. Uh, Joe Duffy uh, is currently fighting at lightweight, which would be the weight above uh, Conor McGregor's weight. Conor did say at uh, some point he would like... Uh, to move up to lightweight from featherweight, but I think for the next while uh they're going to be competing at different weight levels. And I think at lightweight it's certainly um certainly a weight division that uh Duffy can um can make a, a big impression on and he already did uh, his win um His win yesterday was via submission against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who'd never been uh, submitted before, and he won with an absolutely uh, beautiful triangle, uh, which came from a a, a takedown attempt uh, by his opponent, and he transitioned into it beautifully. And it's it's very rare you see that, and as I say, uh, his opponent had never been submitted before. So as well as having incredible striking skills, uh, Joe Duffy has uh, considerable grappling, grappling skills too. And they were on display uh, on display on Saturday. Uh, and his performance also won him a $50,000 uh, performance bonus. So um, it's all going the right way for Joe Duffy at the moment. He's an incredibly different uh, character to Conor McGregor. Uh, Joe will be uh, kind of uh, a bit more self-depreciating, wouldn't kind of play the the promotion game too much. Yeah, he Uh, wouldn't
1: name a fighter that he wanted to fight after his uh, win on Saturday night, which is unusual. Normally guys are are straight out there calling other dudes out.
10: Yeah, I I suppose Conor really started a phenomenon of kind of, you know, naming the that he's going to fight in, naming the fighter that he wants, calling people out, getting people's attention. Uh, Joe Buffy would kind of be a throwback to the all-put anyone I'll, I'll fight anyone they put in front of me uh, type character and uh, as much as uh, Conor kind of uh, brought a lot of attention to the sport um, you know he equally would have as many uh, people that dislike him as like him uh, I think the people that would, that are noticing MMA and that probably dislike Conor McGregor would uh, find uh, Joe Duffy's personality maybe a bit more to, uh, to, to their liking
1: Okay, what's next for Duffy? I assume he will be part of the Dublin card
10: yeah, the Dublin card, uh, on 24th of October in the Tree Arena is kind of, to be the last European card. They're, they're set to, to put a lot of Irish fighters on as they usually, uh, do at these, uh, at these cards. Even in Scotland, this was the first UFC, uh, event in Scotland and they had three Scottish fighters on the card. So they tend to load them up, uh, with native fighters. Uh, very good chance Joe Duffy could be, uh, on the co-main event for this. And I think, Given his uh, given his opponents uh, so far, they've been decent without being a huge um, without being you know huge names or being of a huge pedigree. I think they're going to give him someone um, with a bit more of a marquee name and a bit more of a test to see if he can reach another plateau in Dublin.
1: Well, Mark, your opponent at the moment is the PA system at Glasgow Airport. Last week, you were competing with the one of the PA systems in Las Vegas. You live a a high flyer's life. Listen, what about the hooligan, Paddy Hooligan? Another win for him.
10: Paddy has, uh, has been on a roll since he went into the UFC with one major, uh, well, one minor blip, I suppose, um, yet uh, he, beat his, he beat his opponent, um, actually a former training parter, partner of his uh, on Lee in, uh, in Glasgow it was uh, a decision win, but a pretty dominant de- uh, decision win. Uh, Paddy was pretty much taking up all the, all the offense. He's, again, another style of fighter that the UFC like. He always goes out to make things happen. His ground game is one of the most exciting, and he's no slouch on the feet either, and in fact, his uh, leg kicks were looking more and more impressive, and kind of a new addition to his game. Um, he's uh, another one that will be looking for a big fight uh, in Dublin. He did call out a fighter in the Octagon afterwards. Uh, in fact, he called out uh, uh, Louis Smol- Smolka, who uh, defeated Neil Fury, a uh, fellow Dubliner, Neil Fury, uh, last week in Las Vegas. So he said he wants to uh, avenge people uh, uh, who are, uh, avenge uh, his fellow Irishman, Theory by fighting him. And uh, Smoka has already said he'd be up for that fight in Dublin. Um, uh, Paddy's uh, flyweight. It's not a division that's incredibly loaded down with talent, though uh, the champion, Demetrius uh, Johnson, is an incredible fighter. Um, Paddy's got a very good chance of making real inroads in the next year into the top ten. Of that vision, and uh, the the main issue he fought so far is last year in uh, Nova Scotia, uh, in Canada, he uh, picked up his first loss, his, own, his only loss in his UFC career. He's three and one at the moment, and in fact, the only loss of his actual career. Um, and that was, there were some unusual things in that camp. Uh, John Kavner, his usual coach, wasn't in the corner because he had to be in Sweden that night uh, for an event. Uh, his teammate Gunnar Nelson was headlining. And uh, I think there were some issues with the weight cut for the yeah. first time ever with Paddy. So it probably wasn't the best camp, but he's certainly back on form now. And uh, it was a really impressive performance by him uh, this past Saturday
1: good to see as well not such a good weekend for Reds or Paul Redmond maybe took on a bit too much uh, being part of this card
10: well you know you have to fight uh, you have to fight the people that are put in front of you and uh, unfortunately uh, unfortunately Reds uh, was coming up against um, the first Scotsman to fight the first Scottish uh, UFC card, and uh, you know uh, the entire Scottish crowd were singing "Flower of Scotland" that he came out. So it was pretty deafening, and um, I think just that momentum—it's uh, it, hard to beat you when you have a crowd on that on, on your side like that. You might have been um,
1: suffering fatigue as well. I mean, it's something we'll talk about, no doubt, in the GA qualifiers when you play almost immediately after losing a provincial final they've obviously got rid of that rule now but uh, Cork had to do it because they went through a replay but kind of something similar with Redzer lost a fight or fought recently and had to fight again soon after uh,
10: well the fight was, was was a bit of a fight a, a, a bit uh, a, a good while ago and I yeah. suppose he took that at short notice I think nobody would was surprised that he lost that fight he had to lose a kind of quite frankly dangerous uh, 34 pounds at short notice uh, to, to fight uh, on that court card, uh, I think he had to lose it in about two weeks, and mm-hmm. um, so I think he was—he might—he might, he might have—he uh, he had a—he had a tough fight that time, and I think you could have expected this easier. But then again, uh, when you have a crowd that that side or size urging on one fighter on the preliminaries, it's tough. Now, Redzer performed better than he did last time out. Um, His—he uh, was standing up. Uh, with his opponent pretty well, he was striking pretty well. But then, uh, in the first round, uh, he uh, just got hit by an absolute haymaker. And um, it's the first time in, I think, uh, God, uh, the first time an Irish fighter has been knocked out in the UFC. Uh, There's been Irish fighters in the UFC for uh, three, three years now, so or just just mm. just under three years. So it, it, it's remarkable that it's taken this long to happen, and it was eventually going to happen. And unfortunately, Redzer was just up against. Um, up against the crowd as well as a man and uh, that's that's tough to beat
1: Okay Mark O'Toole thanks for joining us this week from Glasgow and last week Las Vegas go home and get yourself some rest
10: <laughs> Thanks and appreciate it
1: This is the Rewind on News Talk and we're joined by Raf Diallo of Team 33 Raf Benteke to Liverpool from Aston Villa some debate maybe among Red supporters as to whether or not this is a good move
7: Yeah there's a lot of comparisons to the Andy Carroll signing from a few years ago uh Given the fact that transfer fees are actually fairly similar. But I think Benteke is way further along than Carroll was at the time that he moved over. I think he's greater potential to be a greater asset for Liverpool. You look at his um you look at his career overall. I think it's something like ninety Premier League goals already in in the three or the four seasons there's always been at Villa and although he's quite streaky and if you look at his record over seasons generally they do come in clumps as last season would be an example. He scored I think it was something like 14 goals or in his last 14 games where before that and I know he was coming back off the back of an Achilles injury which had kept him out of the World Cup. He had two in I think something like 11. So you know he you're. I think what Liverpool fans will actually see is someone who will probably go on a few droughts here and there but he does compensate for it by scoring in large clumps as well so i expect i think it will be a good signing and also i think he gives them a different uh a different kind of different attributes up front because last season he would have uh he would have had the most uh he would have won the most aerial challenges of any player i think it was something like 6.5 uh you know headed balls that he won uh which is phenomenal so he gives them that outlet as well I think they just need to find a way of getting players to maybe be able to run off him and if you've got players like Coutinho or Roberto Firmino who we haven't really seen much of yet that could Danny uh,
1: Ings as well of course
7: Danny Ings if he makes it off the bench which I think that's where he'll he'll start off in life and then you know he look I don't I don't think he'll be getting a huge deal of opportunities he's uh, he's promising but I don't uh, certainly it'll be Benteke and Sturridge who will get the opportunities up front.
1: From Aston Villa's point of view, I guess if you lose a streaky striker, you want to replace him with another streaky striker. There's talk that Adebayor could go there from Spurs. Worked with Tim Sherwood at and Spurs did, and, and it was one of his good spells, wasn't it? It was. He
7: scored um, 11 goals and we have to remember that Sherwood was only in charge for about six months, like from December up until the May of that, uh, see the penultimate season from the one we're about to start. And, yeah, he, the thing is, he does do that. He has a, actually had a record of doing that in his career, where he will actually go on good runs, and you think actually, you know, maybe he's getting his act together, and then you know, some sometimes it's personal problems, sometimes it's other issues, and he just kind of loses. To be track. fair,
1: his personal problems are actually some
7: like the the most yeah, recent his ones. His Brother are,
1: holding his knife up to his throat.
7: There were some weird allegations yeah. being made on Facebook. Anyway, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure what ones to believe or not, but yeah, he's uh, he's certainly
1: yeah. We, we're not sure. What's accurate and what's not, but we do know Adebayor does come from a you know a tough background, and he does, yeah. You know that's going to create problems.
7: It will create problems, and he has had his issues, as we all know. He's moved from he's he's at every club he's been at, there has been some type of issue. Possibly Arsenal was probably one of his happier spells, but again, he went chasing money at Manchester City, and it didn't go well. Well, I think he, it started off okay, but it didn't go well from over there. Um, and he ended up, you know, falling out with Roberto Mancini, moving on as well. So, look, he he is a talented player on paper, but you can't you can't really, you know, you're not gonna, you're not going to win games on paper.
1: Yeah, well, those are the two stories that I've picked out because they're probably the bigger ones ones in the last couple of days but we're watching all these kind of pre-season competitions take place around the world now are you a good man for watching those or do no. you just pretty much ignore it until no, I, the actual league starts no
7: I'll, I'll read match reports for some of the bigger teams and things like that yeah. but i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't go out of my way to watch them especially the i think the hours are a particular issue as well because they're on tour in places like asia or the united yeah. states and it's it, it's not really part of your kind of watching schedule if they're playing games in you know in europe or whatever yeah. i think i would and i'd I did watch a couple of Arsenal games last season, pre-season ones, but that happened to be like the Emirates Cup, which is meaningless, but it was uh, football on the telly <laughs> yeah. in the post-World Cup period. That's and I need, true. I needed, I needed my hit.
1: When you need that kind of that hug from the footballing world. Uh, listen, some big games this week involving Dundalk, UCD and Shamrock Rovers. Shamrock Rovers look all but out. Yeah. you know, They're 2-0 down going into the second leg of their game. UCD with a little bit of a chance, just one 0 down. Just going one 0 down, yeah,
7: and they've got they've shown a lot of heart as well, given that they they came through their first challenge. And like, who knows what could happen? And also, they were they were kind of unlucky as well. I don't know if you saw the tackle that uh, the uh, the player from the Slovakian side, which I think they're called, was Slovan Bratislava. Um, it was one of the worst challenges I've ever seen. It was on Robbie Benson, and uh, I can taking his leg off.
1: Yeah, I heard about it, I was away, but Dundalk at home against uh, Bate Borisov on Wednesday night in the Champions League. Of course, we've talked about UCD, that's a Europa League on Thursday night. And this is a huge, huge night and when Oriel Park is full, it's a, it's a magical, magical place. Look, Raf, let's be honest, we don't know a whole pile about Bate in. There might be even one or two people listening to this who don't know a whole pile about Dundalk, but we all <laughs> get behind.
7: I'd say some more chance people know about Bate than Dundalk sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah, given, well, given the way this country and its weird, dysfunctional kind of relationship with soccer, well, look, I,
1: that's that's a that's a talk <laughs> for another time. But what you know, what whatever about how you feel about the League of Ireland or the Electricity League, and however about. You know, however they feel about people who don't follow that, but do follow football in this country. Yeah, y- y- you got to get behind on oh, this yeah. week, don't you?
7: And particularly given that they still have a chance. I mean, they yeah. went to two-one
1: down, two-one down, the and
7: the thing is, they it's a club, bat Air club who have qualified for the group stages with relative regularity. They beat Bayern Munich three years ago, or two, yeah, three years ago in October 2012. They beat Athletic Bilbao in last season's group stages. They're okay. They're not a major European superpower, but they're on paper they're well above what Dundalk are. And the fact that you know if Dundalk win one nil, they're true. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's an amazing result if they can pull that one off, particularly yep. against the, the scale of opposition.
1: Brings back memories of the seventies for many people. I think Dan McDonald wrote about that in the Irish Independent when uh, Celtic came to Oriel Park and. Dundalk only needed a goal, but sadly they couldn't get it. They had a chance at the end, but it just didn't happen. Anyway, best of luck to yep. Dundalk this week. Rafty Diallo of Team Thirty Three and Off the Ball. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, that was the rewind for this week. Don't forget to join Off the Ball every night this week at seven and at the weekend when we've got Westmeath against Fermanagh on Saturday and Dublin against Waterford in the hurling quarter finals on Sunday. Hopefully, Off the Ball. We'll be talking tonight, Monday night, depending on when you're listening to this, about an Irish major winner in the shape of Paul Dunn or Padraig Harrington. Uh, Best of luck to the two guys. Obviously, we're putting this together uh, before the final round starts on Monday, such as the nature of Monday sporting podcasts and, of course, the weather in St. Andrews, delaying the whole thing, meaning we've got a Monday finish rather than a Sunday finish. Anyway, let's hope one of the lads, Padraig Harrington or Paul Dunn, has done it. I'll talk to you across the week on News Talk Breakfast. Until then, goodbye.